Episode 98, Kareen Lambert-Gorwin, author of the book, Grow Your Heart-Centered Business, From Passion to Profit. And, and the reason that it's my favorite mistake is because as I've tried to repair it or fix it or come to grips with it, it keeps changing and morphing and I keep learning new stuff. I'm Mark Rabin. This is my favorite mistake. In this podcast, you'll hear business leaders and other really interesting people talking about their favorite mistakes. Because we all make mistakes, but what matters is learning from our mistakes instead of repeating them over and over again. So this is the place for honest reflection and conversation, personal growth, and professional success. Visit our website at myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. For show notes, links, and more, go to markgraben.com slash mistake98. Thanks for listening, and now on with the show. Well, hi, welcome to My Favorite Mistake. Uh, we're joined today by Kareen Lambert-Gorwin. She is, amongst other things, I love this phrase, and this will give you a hint of where she's from, maybe. She's a mumpreneur. She's a property investor and success coach. Uh, she balances being a full-time mother with running three businesses, in an ever-expanding property portfolio. So before I tell you more about Kareen, let me first say hello, good day, thank you for being here. Hello, Mark, and hello, everyone, and thank you so much for having me. It's really lovely to be here, uh, join, joining you wherever you happen to be in the world. And you are coming to us. People might guess, but it's always good to ask instead of guessing. Yes, so I'm, I'm joining from the South Coast uh, in the UK, um, and that is where I currently am. But originally, and you might pick up on this as I speak, um, I was actually born in Australia. So um, you could think I'm near or far, depending on where you are in the world. <laughs> and that's part of why I've learned not to guess, because if you guess wrong, that can be a mistake that might be upsetting <laughs> to someone. <laughs> uh, but to tell you more about Kareen, she's... That's a good uh, talking point at the very least. Yeah, that's a good getting acquainted point. Um, but, uh, Sorry, Kareen... I was just going to say it's a, it's a. No, go it's ahead. A, I think... it, sorry, and as we talk over each other, clearly the distance is is affecting us. There's a, there's a delay. Mark. Yeah. Um, this happens. This this throws off people on uh, you know the television, cable news, and 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 so we'll we'll work through that that lag that we have here on Zoom. I think, but. Um, Kareen was a management consultant, so she brings years of successful corporate experience along with her own unique insights um, to the health industry and now beyond. We'll hear about that. Um, Kareen helps practitioners and other businesses scale their business from six to seven figures. And Kareen is now, or as of last year, co-author uh, with her husband and her business partner, Chris, of a book called Grow Your Heart-Centered Business from Passion to profit, and it's spelled the British way, or you might you might say the correct way, centered. Um, in the show notes, so spelling uh, won't trip anybody up. But before we talk about your business and and your work and your book, we'll we'll jump jump in, Kareen, what what would you say, looking back at the things you've done, is your favorite mistake? Well, I love this topic, Mark, and I, I'm, that's why I'm so thrilled to, to be able to talk about it, because I think mistakes are what we all make from time to time. And 
it's with the benefit of hindsight that we really know those mistakes that have served us the best, I think, would be how I would describe it, which is why this one is my favourite, because it just is the mistake for me that keeps on giving, because as I try and, you know, the headline of my mistake, I guess, is that I made it wrong to be me. I uh, at some point decided that actually being myself and all that I had to offer wasn't um, right or good or something. And so I then, and, and the reason that it's my favorite mistake is because as I've tried to repair it or fix it or come to grips with it, it keeps changing and morphing and I keep learning new stuff. So this happened way back in high school when unfortunately, um, being a really intelligent woman, um, I got bullied. And so to, and, I, and I'm sorry for anybody else out there who's experienced that, it's not great. Uh, and my coping mechanism for that was to make myself wrong, but to try and be better or as, as successful as I could possibly be. So it drove me to doing and being everything I possibly could be, Unfortunately, to the exclusion of myself, therefore, you know, unfulfilling relationships, becoming a workaholic, all of those kind of, of things, as well as, you know, cherry on the top and eating disorder. So that was really tough to, to kind of have that external facade, if you will, of I'm really successful because I was really successful. You know, I had a scholarship to university. I had an amazing starting salary. I was very successful management consultant. I traveled all over the world. Um, and I was pretending to be what I thought would make me successful. And obviously it was to a degree. So you can say, well, what, why was that a mistake? Because now I know that the success that I've achieved being myself is exponentially more than what I achieved when I was trying to be what I thought I needed to be to be successful. And I see so many people out there thinking, you know, they need to be more masculine or more pushy in the corporate environment to be successful or they, you know, which was me. I was totally in that, that kind of category or they need to, to pretend that they're a certain age, which I definitely did. So, you know, it, there, it's, there's so many facets to this and it's pervaded all of my life and my successes and, and probably magnified some of my other failures and other mistakes. So that whole kind of making myself wrong, I would say, is my favourite mistake because it's really uncovered what success really looks like because, you know, I was earning well over six figures as a management consultant. Um, you know, I've had uh, tea at number 10 Downing Street, you know, dinner at the House of Lords, very, you know, high, high profile stuff, flying first class all over the world. That's massive success. But I was fundamentally just unhappy. Like I loved aspects of it, but I wasn't being myself. So that mistake that I kept repeating, and, and today I even still repeat it from time to time, even coming on this show, I was like, oh, you know, will I be interesting? Will anybody care? What if my mistake doesn't resonate with people? So, you know, and, but, but trusting myself and actually knowing that, yeah, probably there are people who go, oh, I've never done that. Or there'll be loads of people who go, oh, yes, I can, I can totally understand that. But it's that 
trusting myself and recognizing that whether you make mistakes, whether you don't, you are who you are. And owning that has just meant that the success that I've now achieved and that I can, and most importantly, I can support others achieving is, is just such, such a different um, experience. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious, you know, when you were in the first job out of college, you know, and I'm sorry to hear like, you know, uh, about bullying in high school and, and sadly sometimes bullying occurs in, in workplaces. Hopefully you weren't facing that, but even to a different degree, were you, were you getting feedback from managers and others about how you were supposed to be versus how you thought you were? Interestingly, yeah, yeah, there there is a a massive amount of pressure because, uh, you know, that's that whole being, um, well, obviously out of college, it's like being young and, 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 and wanting and and ambitious and, and all of those things. And in, in females in particular, it's like, well, no, you shouldn't. And I remember having, you know, encouraging bosses who were like, yeah, go for it and, and do and be all you can be and other bosses going oh just bide your time it'll it'll come to you you just just wait just be patient you know and and i think that is such a fine line to walk when you know what it's like to be <coughs> excuse me to be bullied and to have that experience of oh i i i want to to be this way you become so schizophrenic in that what does what does good look like and if you can't trust yourself it, it you know it becomes really challenging to kind of get up in the morning and and have the energy to to do that because you expend a lot of energy pretending to be somebody else rather than just just being yourself yeah and i mean you you talked earlier about the benefit of hindsight do you remember when some when when you started becoming aware of this dynamic um to start seeing it to realize you you were putting this energy into the facade, as you called it, or how, how did this start becoming more clear to you? I think it's 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 that whole dichotomy of you know you go home and you relax and you go, oh. and then you go what you know why why is this so hard? Why is this so challenging? And you have different, but it, because it's affecting all areas of your life, it's almost it's until you have that inner inner dialogue that you don't actually realize and I think you know there's been lots of various various points along the way of you know when I left Australia and I went and worked in Singapore for a while that lots of alone time I always started to do a lot of yoga um, so obviously you get a bit more introspective when you're, you're doing those things and connecting with who you really are um, and then unfortunately I had a really um, dramatic uh, experience. Well, obviously, I moved to the UK, and again, it was that I was run. I didn't know what I was running away from, but clearly there was something. So at some point, I was kind of like, "What? What is going on here? Where am I? Well, who am I running away from?" Which was really myself. Uh, and I think you know, it, it's until you kind of realize that. And yeah, I have to say that doing lots of lots of yoga and introspection kind of gave gave me that point because I was getting great feedback from people. Of oh you you know you're doing this really well, and you know you're really successful and but it was just feeling hollow like I just I just wasn't happy, so I was kind of doing what I thought should make me happy, 
And I think we all do that. It's like, oh, I should be happy if I'm doing this. And I just wasn't. So I had this dramatic episode of um, I got my high heels, as you do, caught in my trousers, went down the stairs, crashed into the front door, um, you know, split my head open, broke my shoulder in five different places and understandably was off work for quite some time. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and, and that gave me a lot of time to reflect on what was important to me and what made me happy. And so I think I was looking for for other things to kind of go, okay, well, happiness must be out there and it doesn't look like, you know, loads of painkillers <laughs> and, and not connecting with people. So I think that that was a, you know, we all have those those moments of the universe going, maybe you should be looking at something else. Mm. So you had that 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 a little bit of alone time with through the yoga, and then oh, gosh, a lot of alone time, or at least a lot of downtime with your fall and, and those injuries. Um, but I'm, I'm I'm curious. So I mean, you know, you're making me think. Like I, I'm on a group um, network of of different podcasters who try to help each other out in different ways. And we had a guest come in who's been a radio producer and produced um, some different podcast and her advice to everybody in the group was be yourself. So yeah. your story is reminding me of that because there are times where I will compare myself, even as a host or whatever and say, well, I'm pretty calm. I'm fairly reserved. I get fired up about things, but um, like my, my demeanor is what it is. But I wonder sometimes like, do I need to be more, you know, uh, energetic in different ways. And I know, and, and, and I say this as a compliment, Kareen, you are very energetic and engaging and lively. Like did, were there times in the corporate environment where you felt like you needed to really kind of be buttoned down? Was, was that part of the, I'm just oh, guessing, totally. but okay. Oh yeah, completely. I mean, I've had, and I, I'm sure that, uh, anybody who's been successful has had this conversation from time to time of, you know, bosses joking about, we, oh, well, we should send you some on some insertiveness training. Ha 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 as in you're being far too assertive and perhaps you should just rein it in a bit in the next meeting or do you re you know do you really think is this the only way that we can we can talk about this and i was very lucky in so far as when they did those sorts of things it wasn't in a meeting in front of a load of people and i've seen i've ex i've seen that happen as well um so i i think i was i was really lucky in the people who had who i did have around me um, were at least mature enough to kind of have it, but it was it's still soul destroying, right? It's like, well, you your you're modeling people's behavior, and you think that's what's going to make you successful, and then actually it's not. And I think, you know, when I was um, when I was pregnant, and that kind of led me to the whole I needed to leave the corporate world because I'd seen some pretty bad behavior on how women do or don't balance uh, their family lives. And I'd said, right, I'm not going back. I'm, I'm not going to be part of this corporate world. And, and, and that was a massive conundrum for me because I'd always thought entrepreneurs were other people, like successful business owners, people who could go out and make it on their own. That, that was other people did that. I don't, I don't do that. I'd always been an employee. My parents were employees. That was, that was the, you know, you, my my mom was in a law firm, so it was you know you you work your way up, you become a partner, that's it. Management consulting is a very similar structure insofar as you know you work your way up, you you become a partner. That that was the path. So to kind of go, oh, what do I what do I do now? How do I 
do something different. And Rich Dad, Poor Dad has to be the, the, the I don't know whether you're familiar with that book, but Robert I've, Kiyosaki. I've heard of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so that that book for me was a, a turning point. Um, you know, yes, I'd been reading a load of yoga books before that and things, but I think getting into that personal development component, which is so lacking, it's way more than it, it is like now. Personal development is is all pervasive for everyone, whether you're in corporate space or your own bit your own business. But at the time when I was in corporate, you know, it wasn't about it was kind of about personal development, but it wasn't it wasn't you for the organization. It was what does the organization need above you? You were always second. Whereas I think it's only now that we're getting into that. Actually, our employees are a great resource and the best that they can be means that we can get more out of um, our organization because we've got all of these engaged employees. We've got people who actually want to be here, who are developing themselves and our business. And I think that and partnership between the self rather than the, you know, you push yourself away to make a business successful has really changed in the the last, I don't know, 10 or plus, 10 plus years, I would say. But before that, it was very much, no, 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 you, you worked for the company and we drained you of all life. <laughs> right. Well, that's a very important difference of asking somebody, how do you want to develop personally and professionally versus how can we use you like yeah, thinking of the company's needs and then backing into the development? Hopefully there would be alignment, but you're right. Sometimes it's it that 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 things would fall too far to the what the company needs side of the balance. And I think it's you know, working with uh thousands of business owners now, um doing what we do in with our business training and with because it's really grow your business, grow yourself is kind of what what we're doing but because you learn so much when you're growing a business about yourself uh and it, it really is that introspective journey but all of the successful business owners and and business leaders that I've come across get far more out you know far more satisfaction far more success far more productivity all of those things when they have that alignment with their employees and I'm not saying that it's to the exclusion of, of company results, as you would know about metrics and everything else. But, you know, I, I know in, you, in your book, you're talking about managing the, the people rather than just the metrics. So it's that same sort of concept of if we can all manage ourselves to be our best versions, then whether you're in an organization, you're in your own business, you're doing your own thing, you then can, can give and be so much more uh, rather than trying to be what you think the role or the business or the company or whatever needs. Yeah. So when you you, know, you think about different sides of the business, the people, um, the metrics, I mean, this comes back to the book and your business. And again, uh, the title is Grow Your Heart-Centered Business from Passion to Profit. So there's there's the heart, maybe the passion. There's the profit, which maybe more of the head, but uh, back to the, the main title of the book, like how do you define a heart-centered business? I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that you and Chris, you are a heart-centered business and then you help other people down that path, right? Yeah, so we we kind of um, started because Chris, my husband, um, started off as a, an osteopath 
so in that health profession. So it was very much around healing and all of those sorts of things. And, and then I came from the corporate world and we kind of married these two things to create what is our business now, which is heart center business. So it's, it's where it, it is that feeling, it is that service of other people, it's that love for what you do and for helping and supporting others. Because I think Zig Ziglar's got that great quote of, um, you know, if you can help enough other people get what they want, and I'm going to mash it up right now, but it's that whole concept of if you can help enough other people get what they want, you'll get what you want and and tenfold. So I think it was incorporating all of that into to our business and just that whole giving kind of component and, you know, spreading the love for one of a better way of descri- <laughs> describing it, but in a way that you weren't a slave to to an expectation that to be loving means you should do it for free or to be loving means you should give it away. Actually, you know, to be of service and to be heart-centred is to allow people to give back to you. So there is that exchange and, and ultimately a profit because the, the more you can support people, the more money that you can make, the more you can give away ultimately. If you don't want it for yourself, great. But, you know, who else can you give it to? Um, so do you find health people in health professions, and I know you've said you, you work with other types of businesses now, they have a lot of passion, but that's why is that not translating into profit? Yeah, well, that's a that's great. And I think it, you know, for most entrepreneurs, it's regardless of of what you're doing, if you're in a service-based business, which effectively is kind of the businesses that we work for. So anybody who exchanges their time for money or their expertise for money, um, usually they've got there because of their passion. So they're super passionate about something and they want more of that in the world and they want to share that with people. And we almost, uh, the people in that category are apologetic for doing that of, oh, I, I shouldn't make money from doing something that I enjoy. I shouldn't make money from, from being passionate or I shouldn't make money from serving people because if I'm having this much fun, I shouldn't be making money. So we kind of make it wrong to actually earn money from, you know, supporting people, or healing people, or helping people or improving their business or improving them to be their best versions of themselves because that's kind of all of the, the things that people are, are doing in their businesses is, you know, we've got to solve somebody's problem. Business is about problem solving. And if you solve that for people and you, you're passionate about it, you shouldn't earn money from it. So I think that's the real conundrum that people get into. Is, is it okay? To earn money from this? Is it okay to earn money when I'm enjoying myself? Well, that's an interesting dynamic because you often hear career advice of like, you know, you should do what you love, follow your passions. But then it's interesting to think that then people might feel guilty for earning money from that passion. That's, that's, a, that's, that's, you do that. that yeah. Why do you think that happens? Um, I think that comes up an awful lot. It, it really, it comes up an awful lot. And I think it's, it, it's, um, we have a, a whole module in the book that goes into kind of people's relationship with money and kind of what we call your money mindset. So what's going on in your internal world and how that's reflected in your external world. So the stories that you tell yourself about money and the, the one that comes up most typically is that if you want more money, then you must be greedy. So people not wanting to be get into that greedy or or rich people are greedy and therefore if you're suddenly earning money 
that means you must be greedy. Oh my gosh. So then you do stuff to sabotage yourself um, and make mistakes and, and all of those sorts of things to get back to, oh no, I'm not a greedy person. You know, and, and it's all these stories that we tell ourselves and what's going on internally is reflected externally. And money, there's it's just a minefield of of all of those things. Yeah. So I imagine you're working with people in the in the UK, like in pandemic era or maybe through the Internet. Have you worked with people in other countries? Like, is this a, a pretty common dynamic uh, across borders? Yes, it is. Um, so, we, yeah, we have we have people in Europe, people in the UK. Um, we have some clients who have now moved to uh, to other places in the world. We're not as big in the US at the moment. I think that's a time zone issue um, for, for when we were running live events and all those sorts of things. But I think the pandemic has obviously allowed, you know, the beauty of technology. We can all be everywhere, can't we? But yeah, it's it's a this is a universal um, conundrum, I guess that that we all do because it's it's us being humans. So you mentioned mistakes and, and coming back to to that theme. Uh, there there was a video. I'll share a link to it with your husband Chris talking about uh, you know posing the question: How do you handle mistakes? Like maybe I'll, I'll, I'll follow up. Maybe I can share a short snippet of the audio. Of insert it into the episode here but as 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 the two of you running the business could could you paraphrase um you know, it's i'm sure it's both yours view both of your views that was a mistake <laughs> you both you <laughs> you probably both share a view on speaking up about mistakes and your expectations for employees can can you share in your words what that expectation is yeah so i think you know mistakes if you're not making a mistake, you're not a human. Uh, I think it is is really key. And actually, you know, do you learn more from mistakes or do you learn more from doing it successfully? And I'd like to think, you know, I had this, interestingly, I had this conversation with my daughter, uh, who's eight, um, you know, talking about, what are, what are you doing, mummy? Why is Mark talking to you? And I was saying, well, we're talking about, you know, what's my favourite mistake? And her view is, well, yes, you don't want, because uh, we've obviously encouraged her with this. She's like, no, you don't want to make mistakes. But, yes, I understand they happen. And, yes, obviously I learn more from my mistakes. But I'm much quicker if I don't make mistakes. Like, yes, but, you know, you're actually slower because you've got to learn a load more in slower time to be perfect. So we are so much more about being a progressionist rather than a perfectionist. And in our employees, that's really important that, you know, if they do make mistakes, we almost celebrate them because they've learned something new. They've uncovered something that needs to be changed or fixed. And it's a it's a learning moment. And it, it's kind of it's almost it's something to celebrate rather than to, to hide. And absolutely, you know, uh, we are a bit no prisoners on the the whole. If you don't admit that you've made a mistake, we'd actually fire you over that than we would over um, making them making the mistake. Because hiding it, I think, is is a, a far bigger mistake, if you yeah. will, than than owning it and learning from it. It's the mistake on top of the mistake, or you know, going back to President Richard Nixon, they say the problem isn't so much the crime but the cover up. And it's not that a mistake is always a crime, quote unquote. It's it's a human error. I stumble over my words, and I'm not going to edit that out. But uh, that would be a cover up, I guess. 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I think, so, you know, sorry, I was just going to say, and, and owning other people's mistakes, I think, you know, Chris has the, and I have share that view of being 100% responsible for your part in any relationship. And that's, you know, business relationship, client relationship, everything else. And in our relationship as well. So kind of, you know, what's, what's his is mine and what's mine is mine. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But there are probably some mistakes that he, 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 he couldn't keep to himself. Um, But I've definitely learned from them. So I think in sharing them, you know, and I I think that's the great thing about your program and, and this is in sharing these mistakes, we can accelerate everybody's journey. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody gets to to learn from these things. So I think it's it's how we progress as humans. It's how we stop trying to reinvent the wheel as organizations. Uh, I think it's really important that we as a as humanity embrace mistakes more because I think there'd be a, some differences in politics, perhaps. <laughs> that could be true in many places as well, I'm sure. Um but thinking back to your own learning, Corrine, about being yourself, do you, how often do you end up seeing clients who are in that same situation? Uh, let's say whether a physiotherapist or a, a consultant or um, whatever line of service work they're in where yeah. they're uncomfortable, they're not enjoying it, or they're not as, as successful as they could be if they, were, if they would just be themselves. Do you see that with others? regularly um you know this week I've had a number of coaching calls with clients who uh the problem unfortunately is quite them shaped uh in terms of (laughs) either they're hanging on to baggage of a a past relationship or a past experience and they're bringing it to um, a current encounter with an employee uh, or they're making up policies because of something happened um you know, uh, to try and compensate for it when in reality it's their reaction. Because I think, you know, the only thing that we have power over is our choices and how we react. Uh, And I think that if you're not comfortable being yourself, you're not as clear on having considered reactions, which is when people start getting emotional and when things start going a bit awry. Um, particularly, you know, as we all generally deal with humans. Um, And I think particularly during the pandemic, becoming a bit more two-dimensional and we're all seeing each other on video, but we've lost that that third dimension of of physical contact with people. Emotions have, have become really high. And unfortunately, when emotions go up, intelligence goes down. So uh, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a balancing equation on those two things. So I, I think the more that people can embrace themselves, warts and all, and share that because, you know, part of, I guess, the, pow- the powerful feedback that I get from, from my clients um, and I guess the things that people have fed back in our book is, oh, you tell all these stories and you tell all of the bad stuff as well. You're prepared to admit all of the the things that have gone wrong that you haven't done well, that makes you so much more human because I think, you know, we all want to look good, right? We all want everyone to to see our best selves and social media and all of that kind of stuff make that even worse in terms of, you know, have you got the right filters on your Instagram photos or something along those lines? Um, 
But if you can share the real you, you can have a far more powerful impact on people because they can connect with you at a really different level. I, I chuckled because I don't think I've ever heard the phrase, as you put it, the problem was them shaped. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think through, um, yeah, when you're talking about getting upset, the fight or flight instinct kicks in, our higher level yeah. logical thinking shuts down. I mean, I, I, I'm trying to think through, like, how do you find the balance of, I, I could say, well, I'm going to be my authentic self. And even though I'm, I'm normally, I'm pretty calm, there, there are times I get spun up, I get wound up, I, I, I get emotional. And in the past, like I've tried to be more aware of this, of like, don't reply to that email when you're in that state of mind, you know, to, to take a breath, calm down. So I think even though I could say, well, look, I'm being my, I, I got upset. That's me. I, I, I react. I'm like, well, I, I can also choose to, to recognize myself. And I, I don't think that's being unauthentic. It's probably just smart because no. my authentic self yeah. might really anger somebody if I send a snotty reply. Yeah. And I think, you know, being yourself doesn't mean that you're unaware of how you impact others. Um, being yourself means that you you choose to impact them positively. So that whole kind of taking a breath, you know, I'm sure my team right now, if I talk anything about breathing, will laugh very hard. Um, because it has been known that uh, I don't breathe enough and that's partly just the pace at which my brain works of like I just I just want to share all of these things and I get very excited and passionate and clearly don't breathe enough but pausing and considering you know being your authentic self is also connecting with other humans as humans and recognizing that they have needs and desires and wants too and to have the best impact on them uh, means that you, you're absolutely sharing authentically in a way that moves them and you forward. Just reacting to stuff, what does that achieve? Yes, you, you get heard and you, you vent, but it doesn't move you or your business or your agenda or anything forward because it's, it's just a reaction. And I think, you know, our whole business is built on problem solution. Our book is all about problem solution. You know, all the things that we teach are all about what problem are you solving? And I think, you know, that whole concept of if you're, you get, you know, of course I, I get riled up about all sorts of things. I was dealing with some of my team today who were, who, you know, it, the pandemic has been a marathon, right? So emotions for everybody are quite fraught at the moment we're, we're coming out of lockdown over here in the UK but it's still you're still restricted in what you're doing you're not having the same interaction with people as as you have been and therefore I think people's cups are quite full so when it's you know it's the little things it's you know the whole concept of the toilet seat in the relationship it's because you never put the <laughs> toilet seat down and your whole relationship blows up and those little things I think are, are getting to people at the moment and so the more that you can consider, okay, if my cup runneth over, what can I do to turn the volume down? What can I do to, to see the bigger picture? What is the problem that I'm solving here? Can I come with some suggestions? Can I, can I think of things from other people's perspectives? Because being you is also being open to recognising who others are and their strengths and their benefits and how they can support you on your journey. Because I think, you know, we all, 
and, and I would hate people to misconstrue that whole you being yourself means to the exclusion of everybody else because me being me and not making me wrong means that I've actually been prepared to get more support and help and have that community around me, which was one of the big tenets of our teaching in terms of know what to do, um, make sure you've sorted your, your mindset out and have a community that supports you. Uh, and I wasn't prepared to let people in because when you, you know, you're faking it till you make it kind of thing, you're not prepared to share. So you don't have that community to fall back on. So you don't have that support. So you are more reactive because you think everyone's out to try and get you rather than actually we're all a big team trying to get through all of this together. Yeah. So instead of trying to maintain that facade of perfection, be willing to admit what you struggled with, what you don't know, what you're learning, that, that leads to better networking. Our, our podcast group, we call the group uh, Lean Communicators. And um, that, there's, there's a good spirit of that within the team. We're not trying to position ourselves. We don't get together to say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a better podcaster <laughs> than you, because what would be the point of that? We're, yeah, yeah. we're pretty open about things that we're trying to get better at and we help each other out. Something reminds me of what, what you're describing. Maybe we are heart-centered podcasters. Absolutely. And I think, you know, and that's what's really important. And I know, you know, coming from America where it's all survival of the fittest and everything else. And I know that's gross generalization, um, but that's, you know, that's pervasive of, of the world. And I think actually being more collaborative and recognizing, and this is, this is going to be a bit out there, but there is no competition in reality because there is nobody who can be you. There's nobody who can do things the way that you do things. Some people are going to like you. Some people are going to hate you. And if we try and be all things to all people and we don't polarize, we'll end up being nothing to no one. So if you can stand in, there is no competition. I will attract the right people to work with. I will find, you know, and, and if you be picky and go, actually, I have more fun with these kind of people. That's who I want to work with then you will actually have a better time. You'll have more fun. You'll be more successful. They all get better results rather than I'm going to be everything to everyone and be nothing to no one. Yeah. Yeah. That is great advice. And that's part of the power of, of being yourself. Um, especially if you're a relatively small business, you can't serve everybody. So it's better to match up and find the people that are going to enjoy working with you and vice versa. Totally. And I love the mastermind concept. Um, you know, Napoleon Hill back in the back in the 30s is talking about how we should all get together as a mastermind. Okay, he didn't quite have the equality, and there's a, a few um interesting concepts and, and approaches that he has towards women. However, putting that aside, um, you know, that whole concept of getting together and and using our collective brain power um and and, and forming that community rather than you know, you're saying all of these podcasters, you could ordinarily think, oh, we're all in the, I, I can't share my experience because you might steal it. Great. And build on it mm -hmm. and make it your own. Right. Like, that's awesome. Because, you know, people would look at, you know, our, our group, at, you know, uh, we, we do podcasts in the same field. You could look and say, well, you're all competitors. Why would you learn and help with each other? But I think we believe in sort of this idea of abundance that, yes, there, I mean, there, there is not an unlimited time for people to listen to podcasts. Of course. But we're still willing um, to help each other out. Good people 
learning and sharing. That's, you know, when you talk about passion to profit, it's podcasting. It's all about passion. There is no profit. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, but then then you find you find your passion projects and, and that's fine. And, you, you know, you talked about, oh, don't do it for love because you, you won't make any money from it. Maybe. Or you find out how you can make money from it. And I love that concept of how else can I get there? So, you know, that was part of building my property portfolio was so that I had a passive income and I could do more of the things that I was passionate about because I didn't need my passions to make me money. They do, um, which is which is fantastic. But, um, you know, it was, it was the best of both worlds of take the pressure off, you know, do be smarter about how you do things, but also ask that question of how else can I get there? How can I follow my passion and still make money? So ask that and question of yourself. And and really, you know, things are not roadblocks. Things are are not mistakes. They're opportunities to be creative, to, to work out how else can you get there? Well, it's great food for thought. And um, I want to thank you for sharing all of that, your stories and your perspectives, Corrine. Um, our guest again has been Corrine Lambert-Gorwin. Um, the book, the title is Grow Your Heart-Centered Business from Passion to Profit. And um, you can find uh, what, what Corrine and Chris are doing online, heartcenteredbusiness.com, spell it the British way. I'll put a link in the notes because the other Spelling will take you to a different website. It's nothing too dodgy, but it's just different. Um, and there are some offers. There are some offers that you have um, if you want to tell the audience about that, Corrine. Yeah. So, you know, writing the book was our passion project. Before we'd even heard of the pandemic and everything else, we went, how can we we get all of this knowledge out there to more people? Uh, and so we wrote an end-to-end guide for starting a business, for growing your business, for scaling your business, um, and what are those key questions? And we pre-ordered um, a, a number of books, uh, so we're in the the position of being able to give them away for free. Um, so you just have to pay for shipping, and we will ship it to you absolutely free. Um, it is an Amazon number one bestseller, uh, which we're very proud of, um, because we're out there helping more people, and I think that's that's why we we wrote the book was. For, for more people to be able to follow their passion and make a profit. Yeah, well, thank you for, for doing that. And you also offer, um, for people who are interested, a, a strategy session. Yes, because we know that not everybody likes uh, reading and, you know, it is a bit of a weighty tome at 350-plus pages. Um, so whilst it is, you can dip in and dip out and pick any section you like depending on where you are in your business, uh, if you'd like to skip to the end, because some of us do like to do that, um, put your hand up now. Yeah. <laughs> and if, if you would like to skip to the end and you just say, I just want to know how to solve this problem, or I just want more of this in my business, then we're offering free strategy course as well. So you can jump on with our team and we will talk all about your business, um, where you might be able to make your favorite mistake, something that you can learn from and grow. Well, thank you for doing that. And thank you for putting it that way. That's a great way to wrap up the episode, Kareen. So again, uh, the show notes, will have links to uh, the book and the website and ways that people can learn more. So um, really enjoyed it. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being yourself. 
Thank you so much, Mark. And thank you everyone for listening. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day, night, or wherever you are in the world. Thanks again to Corrine for being our guest today. To learn more about her work, her books, and more, go to markgraven.com slash mistake98. As always, I want to thank you for listening. I hope this podcast inspires you to reflect on your own mistakes, how you can learn from them or turn them into a positive. I've had listeners tell me they started being more open and honest about mistakes in their work. And they're trying to create a workplace culture where it's safe to speak up about problems because that leads to more improvement and better business results. If you have feedback or a story to share, you can email me, myfavoritemistakepodcast at gmail.com. And again, our website is myfavoritemistakepodcast.com.